I'm Alex Marlowe, Editor-in-Chief of Breitbart News, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. First of all, I hope everyone had a terrific Thanksgiving and got to enjoy family and good food and a little time perhaps away from the news. But we jump right back into it first with some inflation and Black Friday news and data before we get into Trump's dinner with the anti-Semite Kanye West and other assorted trolls, including one of the Internet's most prominent purveyors of racism and Holocaust denial. Yes, that really happened. And will Trump fire anyone from his staff for allowing this to happen? Who knows? But I will say that if he had dinner with David Duke, let's say, I think it would be pretty outrageous. Or let's say Joe Biden had dinner with Louis Farrakhan. That would be seen as outrageous too. So this really is a big deal. And I uh, share some of my takes and more importantly, the facts and the news uh, around the story. Um, The big question I asked though, will this make it more or less likely he's able to get to 270 electoral votes? And that's the thing that we should all be contemplating. We also get into riots in China over the draconian coronavirus lockdowns as the virus is spiking. The authoritarianism is wearing thin in the Chinese people. It's terrific news, although also somewhat disturbing in some other ways. And we get into Balenciaga, which is a big fashion designer, and Disney continuing to groom children, and much more in the opening. We speak to Dan Gaynor today as our guest. He's a media expert, and he offers commentary on Trump's dinner with trolls and the advertising exodus that's taking place from Twitter, and much more in that interview. Dan's always a very sharp person with great nuance on my favorite topic, our appalling media. All that in the show. Let's get into it. I do hope all of you had a great Thanksgiving and uh, there is a tradition that seems to be coming back, which is people actually are staying at Thanksgiving and they're not necessarily rushing out to the stores quite as much for Black Friday, which was starting to bleed into Thanksgiving Day where so many people would start their shopping at, you know, 3 p.m. on Thanksgiving. And that was just so offensive. That that was what our, uh, I guess, late stage capitalism had turned into, but for whatever reason, that does seem to be going away. I think a lot of that's due to online shopping, and a lot of that is due to the fact that the Black Friday sales are now extending before Thanksgiving, and also the economy is kind of mediocre. John Carney wrote this up for us at Breitbart News that Black Friday, so far what we can see is disappointment, though we're not going to get the exact details ever, but we won't have the full picture for a while. Um, But thin crowds and desolate stores in some places, according to some reports. And there will be somewhat of an increase in sales, but the increase will be lower than inflation. So we could actually see a decrease in spending. And we know the price of stuff is up. So think about that. So it could basically be net decrease in Black Friday sales and it's for sure going to be for less stuff. So you made you might have spent less money uh, and you're getting far less, basically, is how it will look in the end. And uh, we'll be tracking who is up and who's down. It looks like um, Old Navy was doing well, but they were had huge levels of sales, which indicates they had a lot of inventory and that'll draw people in. And then places like Lululemon, which is very hot. Uh, it just seems like we're all doing the athleisure thing. Uh, athleisure is a way for people to wear elastic 
and still be hip. And we all want to wear elastic because we're all used to not dressing up because we don't dress nicely in general as a society right now. And um, uh, the Lululemon is the most popular of that group. It used to be reserved for people who were semi-lazy, really stylish and knew they and knew how to pull this stuff off. Um, or people who were in terrific shape or some combination thereof. And now it's just anyone can just hop into their spandex and then we're, uh, we're, we're ready to rock, ready to go to a nice restaurant or something, or church even. Um, so let's see, who did not do well that we can tell? A Banana Republic, which is just, it's just not in right now. I used to like Banana Republic, but it's just not in. Uh, Macy's, Urban Outfitters, no lines over there. So we'll be tracking all the details. But again, a semi-bleak shopping season for American consumers because so many people are doing worse financially. A lot of people already did a lot of their shopping, which John Carney, I have to say for us at our Economics Bureau, probably the first to get hip to that, that people are shopping early this year um, because it concerned about where the economy is going to go. And a lot of talk about are we in this huge bubble that could burst at any moment, which is impossible to tell. Um, but there was a, a big article in Market Watch, which is kind of a, it has a gloomy, it's more left wing, kind of gloomy, but a very a serious t um, financial website. But when you see headlines like we, they had one at CNBC crunched the numbers over the weekend, how the tech industry has lost $7.4 trillion over the last year. <laughs> it's a lot of money, it's a lot of money. And not all of it is just because of the Biden inflation, though a lot of it is. Not all of it is just because of so many grifters in the tech world, which we're starting to figure out this year. But a lot of it is just a, a general... Um, uh, the skepticism of what's going on in the country in terms of how these businesses are run. All right, so I will bring up what has been the most talked about story in the news over the last few days, and it was not Thanksgiving holiday. It was not the mass protests in China, though I will get into some of that later. It's not the Georgia Senate race. It is who Donald Trump is having at Mar-a-Lago for dinner. A amazing thing uh, occurred where there was uh, a dinner that took place in Mar-a-Lago, and uh, we were told that Trump had had dinner with Kanye West. And I think that this fits Trump, um, even though Kanye has been on nonstop anti-Semitic rants, and people he 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 and he won't stop. Uh, which was an odd thing to me that there are so many people who continue to support him on the right and have been reluctant to condemn him. And they use excuses, and so a lot of them are uh, very unpersuasive. Uh, but there is nothing that indicated to me that Kanye was ever going to slow down because he really believes this stuff, at least he does for now. Um, everyone thinks he's sick or not well, or I, I don't know. I've never met him. I, I'm not going to give him a medical diagnosis. Um, but he says a lot of interesting stuff, and he says a lot of uh, stuff that's rooted in some really misguided, wrong-headed beliefs that include anti-Semitism. And how he got there, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how he got to become an anti-Semite, but he's there. Uh, and he thinks it starts with getting hosed out of some business deals, which is possible. But it's also, you know, this country in general is pretty good to Kanye. He was able to become a billionaire with a B. He's had a lot of lives, meaning he's done some stuff that's been really embarrassing over the years and gotten canceled for it, for lack of a better expression, bounced back and made a bunch more money. And he's been a star in many industries. 
Um, not only is he incredibly popular pop star, but he's a, made a fortune in fashion. And he has got a strong following with some of his religious endeavors. So it's the imagine how much of a success he would have been if he hadn't been hosed so many times by the Jews. I say that tongue in cheek because that's his implications that he would have been just so much bigger if the Jews had been holding him back. Which is obviously an evil thing to say. And it's not, I'm not saying, I can tell you where it came from. But he's on these jags and he's not going to stop them because he believes them. He's not, there's not some unearthed joke from when he was a teenager. He does not believe that the Jews practice business fairly. And he believes that they control the media and they control business. And he he's getting hurt by it. Uh, and so that's his thoughts. So uh, for some reason, Donald Trump decided he wanted to have dinner with him. And I thought that that was probably not a smart move by Trump, personally. But I thought, you know, Trump loves celebrities. And I think Trump doesn't like cancel culture. And he does like celebrities. So that follows. I think that was probably not a good move, considering that Trump you know, has uh, dealt with his own accusations of anti-Semitism, despite the fact that he's got literally Jewish grandchildren and a daughter who practices Judaism, a son-in-law who is a senior advisor who's a prominent Jewish figure. So you would think that Trump would not be anti-Semitic, and I don't believe he is, of course. But Trump loves celebrities, so uh, he is Kanye. So uh, then we started hearing about who are, who are Kanye's guests, and uh, these are all rumors until Breitbart did some digging, Jerome Hudson and Matt Boyle in particular. Like, are these rumors? Because we had heard maybe that the he, he had brought some people who were, let's say, less than savory. Um, and uh, one of them, of course, was Milo Yiannopoulos, who used to work with us at Breitbart a long time ago and uh, blew up his career unnecessarily. I will tell you that. I, I will not expand beyond that because I worked very closely with Milo when he was here. I don't want to say more than that for obvious reasons. And then this figure named Nick Fuentes. And I, I, I was aware of Nick Fuentes because there's no one in my world who isn't because he is either a truly evil, anti-Semitic, racist, white nationalist, all the worst stuff that's ever been said about people. Or he is the most nasty troll that is out there currently on the right with any notoriety at this moment, or somewhere in between, or some combination thereof. Uh, he's the type of guy who literally denies the Holocaust. He is the type of guy who says that he's racist, sexist, anti-Semitic. Literally says it. And will say it over and over again. That's his thing. Now, I can't look into his heart. I don't know how much he believes this. Um, I would assume to take him at his word, but the clips are myriad online and there's plenty of context with the clips. So this is a guy who is one of the most prominent open racists in American media. Now he doesn't have a huge platform because he's been canceled, quote unquote, for obvious reasons, but again, not canceled for some bad joke canceled because he literally goes in his live streams and talks about how we need a theocratic fascist state run by Catholics. And, you know, I'm a Catholic. Uh, I, I don't I don't think the Catholics have earned that one. Just that's just my personal personal take on that and does talk openly about how um, uh, his skepticism about the Holocaust under other anti-Semitic ideas, etc. 
And one thing that makes Fuentes particularly nasty is he's the type of person who actually has encouraged his followers to stalk people he doesn't like politically on the right. The two people who come to mind are Charlie Kirk and Ben Shapiro, who he sent people out. And, and I know this, I was at an event and one of his strange followers showed up and was screaming at Charlie Kirk for no reason. Um, and I was on the stage with Charlie at the time. It was, it was an odd moment. So, and he's got a charismatic side to him. He seems like a very quick-witted guy. And, um, you know, he, he's got a good shtick where he, sm- smiley-faced, um, young guy, and looks sharp and is having a good time. But he says horrific stuff. Now, again, I'm not looking into his heart. I don't know how much of this is real peak performance art that's going on. I don't know how much of this is genuinely held racist anti-Semitic beliefs. I don't care. All I know is when we start talking about denying the Holocaust, I tune out. I move on with my life and I find other people to follow. So, well, Kanye doesn't. Kanye brings people like this into his inner circle. Kanye claims he's running for president and requests a meeting with Donald Trump. Donald Trump loves celebrities. Uh, It makes perfect sense to me that Milo, who is a very bright person, and tries to find incredibly wealthy people to latch onto would find Kanye. That makes sense to me. And Kanye's got a lot of people who are supporting him still in conservative media because they feel like he's being unfairly canceled. He's not being unfairly canceled. People are disappointed that a guy who's got a lot of really good ideas has some really horrible ones. It's not cancellation. Kanye is using his right to free speech to be publicly crazy all the time which is someone who doesn't hate his music and doesn't hate all of his ideas, finds uh, pretty upsetting, personally, to me. So, But you can't go out there and keep saying anti-Semitic stuff over and over again, in my opinion, and get a spot at the table with the former president. That's just my take. But again, it doesn't matter. It's Donald Trump's take. He can have dinner with whoever he wants. But all of a sudden, he's now got Milo, and now he's got... Nick Fuentes, a open racist anti-Semite at his table. I'm old enough to remember when Donald Trump bringing, um, was being endorsed by a guy we, none of us have ever talked to, David Duke. No one in the conservative movements even talked to him. Like we don't know who he is really, other than what the liberal media tells about us. And we had news cycles for weeks in the 2016 campaign because Trump wouldn't disavow David Duke because David Duke liked Trump. The evidence Trump has spoken to David Duke is below zero. The evidence that Donald Trump has thought about David Duke until that was below zero. And we still did weeks and weeks of will he disavow the KKK white nationalists. Now, all of a sudden, we're in an environment where he's got one of the most prominent racists with any platform whatsoever in America. They're open racists and they're having dinner. How could this be? And that's the question. That is the question for me. How could this happen? At Breitbart, of course, we reported this dead straight, which people read into all this, whatever they wanted, which is fun. I got I to admit, it's fun. A lot of people were very angry that we reported the news straight, which is a huge scoop, obviously. And then a lot of people were uh, wanted us to be you know, more condemning of Trump, which again, it's the, you guys have made up your mind on this stuff, haven't you? But here's the question to me. Donald Trump is the person who has used his ability to troll 
to get his ideas out into the public better than anyone. He's achieved all of his dreams by being able to be uh, one of the, uh, he's been able to achieve all of his dreams by being able to use trolling techniques, meaning getting press however you can get it in order to attack his opponents and to get his ideas out there. Now, I'm seeing a scenario where you've got Kanye, who is using star uh, Trump's desire to hang with celebrities against Trump. You've got Milo, who is clearly using Kanye and Trump to get back on the news when he wasn't in the news. And now, all of a sudden, you've got this guy who's, I think, 24 years old, who is an open racist and white nationalist, despite his last name for which is again this is just such a high level of uh, of a brain twister here a guy named Quentes but the openly white nationalist doesn't like most any other race seems like openly the Holocaust denying on public forums over and over and over again and now all of a sudden they're taking advantage of Trump and they're having dinner with Trump so I want to state a couple of my opinions, and of course, all of you are invited away in 866-95-PATRIOT. I'm excited for all your takes. Of course, I want your takes. Here's the only take that I really want to emphasize. Uh, it's a two-parter. First of all, do I think Trump is now all of a sudden anti-Semite? No, I don't. Of course not. Never have. But addendum to that, we've gone through news cycles defending Trump for far less than this. Why is he doing this to himself and those who support him, putting people in this position? And I think there's an answer to that question. And it's clear that he's not being surrounded by people who are giving him the best advice. Anyone who's allowed for this to happen, for a dinner to take place, where first of all, we know for sure Trump is a guy who's been in the news 24-7, around the clock, for voicing anti-Semitic views. Kanye is there. And then he's getting all sorts of people including a guy who denies the Holocaust. And there's no one in Trump's inner circle who will say, hey, uh, Mr. President, probably not a good idea for this to happen right now. If you want to do a white gnat dinner, um, which you probably don't, can we think about a little bit? No one could do that. I mean, no one could stand up to him and say, hey, uh, this is going to be a big mistake here. You're going to get a lot of people talking about you in a way that might not be that helpful. And that's kind of where we're at. That's the main thing I want to share is that I am most concerned, not that Trump's all of a sudden some sort of a racist, but it's that the, the how is there no one who is responsible around him telling him this is a bad idea? The reports are that Trump, of course, was dazzled by the white nationalist. I have no clue if that's true. But it seems like you know the way to Trump's hearts to be flattering. So if Fuentes was smart enough to say that uh, Trump is really the purest of the pure, the greatest guy ever, and it's really certain people who've held him back and not let him be his true self, which is what the reports are, and I think Fuentes does seem smart enough to say that, then he's going to get uh, uh, Trump's, Trump's attention. So Kanye, by the way, has continued his anti-Semitic attacks since the dinner. So meet with Trump, and then he's still on rants about the Jews and their influence. He's wearing a Kanye 2024 outfits now. He was on Nick Fuentes' live stream. It's a surreal moment. I think any of you could have predicted that. 
Um, we've seen some levels of condemnation from people who are Trump supporters, Ambassador David Friedman, who is Trump's ambassador to Israel, uh, saying, throw the bums out, meaning Kanye and Fuentes. Um, and we saw a more Klein from a Zion Association of America, another huge Trump supporter. I think he just gave Trump an award saying this is a problem. So I do honestly want your opinions of this because there's no other person who would who would be a good president in the country right now who would put all the people who defend him in this position. There's only one. There's only one person who would do that. That's Trump. So, or do you feel like it's not a big deal? He can have dinner with whatever with whichever races he wants. It doesn't make a difference to you. I'm I'm honestly curious because if you looked online, there was a lot of people with every corner of the opinion spectrum on this one that I've seen coming up with some excuse to say that it's cool to have dinner with white nationalists now. One of the things is that it's going to be an uphill climb for Trump when he runs to overcome the negative attention he gets, which does motivate people who would otherwise be inclined not to vote. We're going to show up, vote against them. He's going to have to overcome tech bias. He's going to have to overcome what I refer to as cheat by mail, which is the amount of mail-in vote that comes in that overwhelmingly favor Democrats. So he's going to have all of these headwinds when he's running. So he's got to have people in his inner circle who helps him out. And whoever was in charge of uh, this dinner not helping. So, and if it was Trump himself, then someone's got to explain to him that this is going to cause problems for you. And I don't think anyone's doing that. Trump refers, said that Kanye is an extremely troubled man that can't win 2024. This was Trump's third or fourth statement on this issue on True Social. So I help a seriously troubled man who just happens to be black. I don't know that's about. But so he's pawning off as Kanye's troubled. So Kanye is not really anti-Semitic. He's just troubled. Yay, parentheses, Kanye West, who is who has been decimated in his businesses and virtually everything else. Well, how do you do that? He keeps saying anti-Semitic stuff. Trump continues, and who has always been good to me by allowing him by allowing his request for a meeting at Mar-a-Lago alone so that I can give him very much needed advice. He shows up with three people, two of which I don't know. Uh, the other person was someone named Kieran Giorno, who I think helped Trump's Florida efforts in one of the recent elections. The other political person who I haven't seen in years, I, t I think that's who he's referring to. I told him don't run for office, total waste of time, can't win, fake news, went crazy. So who's the fake news? Is it all of us in conservative media who are talking about it? No one's disputing any of our reports. Who's he implying is fake news here? And what's fake about the story? There's nothing fake about it. Everything was written very carefully, at least on my end. Um, it's also noteworthy because so much of Never Trump right now is trying to co-op Ron DeSantis, and he's getting, uh, there's some releases that he, you know, sent a lot of advertising to Never Trump websites uh, during the primaries. Elon Musk has endorsed him for a second time. Like the type of people who are not hardcore conservatives. Um, and that's noteworthy because DeSantis isn't running yet, but Trump could still be by far the front runner despite this stuff. The only person in arm's length at this point of him is 
Ron DeSantis. So if some of you who annoy them complaining about Trump, and it's a very, if you're hearing me complain, I'm mostly reporting, by the way, thus far. There's a lot more complaining I could be doing. I'm mostly reporting what's going on. But in the meantime, if all these never Trumpers start co-opting DeSantis, that there's going to be a lot of people who are going to support Trump no matter what, which is why the one recommendation, the one opinion I'm offering today is uh, he's absolutely got to get sharper on the personnel front and not make unforced errors because he can't, he might not win without unforced errors. So how could this stuff happen? We know how it could happen because there's too many people who are um, purely supportive, who are probably surrounding him every day. Time for a little more tough love, I think, to get to the next level. All right, absolutely want your takes on that. 866-95-PATRIOT. We'll get to that uh, in a bit. I know that was going to be a long conversation. So I, I will mention a few highlights in the news and we'll circle back to some of this uh, later in the day. Uh, a, a huge amount of demonstrations in China, which is breaking into establishment media. Um, this is pretty exciting. We've actually been tracking this since early last week at Breitbart because we're ahead of the stuff as we often are. And it did explode a little bit more over the weekend, but more interestingly, American media was picking up on it, which is pretty exciting. Uh, some were describing it as the biggest uprising since Tiananmen Square, and we will get you updates on it. Um, but China has had a fresh coronavirus case record, and they're actually doing something weird, which is reporting deaths. Remember how China stopped reporting coronavirus deaths after about 4,000? You gotta figure their death toll is gotta be a couple million at least. Maybe much, 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 much higher. We'll never know. But remember, they stopped reporting at like 4,000 deaths. And, and now they're actually reporting deaths again, which is stunning. It must show you how bad it is. But we also know they have the most cases they've ever had. Um, as there have been talk of new dangerous variants. And remember, China's vaccines never worked at all. So I know a lot of you, because I see my inbox um, think our vaccines weren't very good but China's weren't good at all so they they didn't do anything literally so they had no benefit of vaccines and now we've got some new variants that are clearly outpacing whatever even the good vaccines can do to keep up with them and so they're, they're pretty much on their own here so these demonstrations are really big and uh, there's a huge blow up at the, figuratively speaking, the world's largest iPhone factory, Foxconn, which makes a lot of the iPhone components, puts them together. And they were actually offering to pay workers to stop rioting because there was so much rioting going on. So uh, the riots uh, started in uh, the Zhengzhou province in China, the primary production hub for Apple's iPhone. So this is going to be big because those of you who uh, follow this stuff, this is going to for sure trickle into the economy because there's uh, 200,000 workers at this vast complex, 200,000. And there are basically riots going on there. And obviously they're not gonna be making iPhones at at the rate they're supposed to. So uh, that was happening last week, and then it spread. And in once protests, there's a virality to them. So once they get out there, it gets worse. Or better, if you're the type of person who would like to see some more citizen uprising against uh, Xi Jinping, who is not particularly popular from what we can gather with the citizenry, though he maintains incredible control over his Politburo. 
So um, there was a a fire that took place during their lockdowns. Remember, they would actually lock people and almost bolt people in their homes. They did the zero COVID policy, which they took their terrible draconian authoritarian lockdown policies and they amped it up to another level thinking this could crush the virus. Well, clearly it hasn't because we're actually seeing virus deaths and record cases. So incredibly exciting stuff. We'll have big details for you at Breitbart and I'm sure pretty much every show this week and maybe even this one will get some guests in um, to update you um, if there are big updates to be made. So uh, it's the it's the bad news because big COVID outbreak, who knows how much that's going to spread bad news. And that's going to affect the American economy probably because of, you know, the, the huge riots of factories that make stuff the Americans need to buy. It's going to have an effect. And we're still so dependent on China, even our biggest company, which is Apple. But a uh, good news, perhaps, and that there are uprisings against the Communist Party in China that are uh, getting mainstream attention. But there was a fire where young children died among 10 people. Of course, horrific. His families were trapped because they'd been locked down for three months of the zero COVID lockdowns going on. So uh, this is the biggest act of defiance, according to at least the media that has some access to China, which is very limited, that we've seen perhaps since Tiananmen. So more to come on that front. It's also noteworthy the World Cup is going on because, you know, uh, people were stunned in China who have had some access to watch some of it or figured it out because people are obsessed with soccer. And they were shocked to see people without masks on, people who are free, because China doesn't have, uh, has limited access to outside press. And if you've limited access to outside press, then you weren't aware that a lot of the world has moved on from the pandemic because China's been under this, this zero lockdown policy. All right, other things I do feel like I want to mention in the opening, and I get your takes if you have them. I'm coming in late on this, but I will just state that there's a Balenciaga, which is a extremely high-end fashion brand that's very popular right now, with a BDSM-themed child photo shoot, uh, really is as bad as the hype is suggested. And a lot of the time, there are media hysterias, and increasingly, the right has our own media hysterias. Uh, this one is absolutely not a hysteria is because if you look closely into one of these, or if not both, I think it's, but it's at least one of the two um, most shared photos of these uh, clearly sexualized scenes, fetish scenes with children in them, modeling stuff like teddy bears in, you know, leather and in lace and all this stuff that's sexual and designed for kinky adults, not even just like normal adults. Um, but they have these documents that describe uh, they're actually court documents uh, involving a, a federal child porn law and talking about virtual child porn. And if you zoom in on the photo, you can see them. So they knew exactly what they were doing. They're uh, sexualizing kids, which is now nonstop. Um, Disney had a new movie called Strange World that came out over the weekend. And it was uh, rumored to be about $180 million to make. Stars a actor named Jake Gyllenhaal, or at least that's his voice, who's, I guess, fairly popular. And uh, it involves um, openly gay themes and environmental themes. So he woke Bonanza. So you got an openly gay cartoon, gay family, mixed family with all this, you know, re representation that is necessary to get anything made, I guess, these days. 
and there's a bunch of environmental green propaganda in and you'd be shocked to know it is bombing absolutely bombing so perhaps this was maybe part of why people were fed up with bob chepik maybe they saw that this thing was not testing well um, but opening to an estimated 20 to 23 million. Remember, there's a holiday box office too, so you should be getting a higher box office. I will say, this is a, I've not been a movie goer on a regular basis to a theater in a while, but there was a huge part of my life where we would go on um, even Thanksgiving, like at the end of the meal. You know, that would happen. Um, a lot of mall traffic, obviously, over the weekend because of, Black Friday, even though it was less than usual, it's still going to be a lot. Um, so this is a huge bomb for a movie that probably cost between two and three hundred million to put out. To open twenty-three million is just a massive bomb, and uh, the left-wing media is not going to admit to you. It's because they're sexualizing the kids and they're doing the green propaganda. So terrible box office. Uh, Wakanda Forever, which is another Disney property, uh, won the weekend box office wise. But this is a brand new Disney cartoon. Should be for the family, uh, but it's not now because now Disney sexualizes kids, as does um, Balenciaga and fashion brands, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All right, Dan Gaynor is on with me. Dan is a media expert. He's on just about every Monday in the live broadcast, which really was, I have to say, pretty good uh, today. Those of you who are inclined to listen to the full show on the SXM app starts at 6 a.m. Eastern every weekday morning. And we had a lot of interesting conversations with Jerome Hudson, who's our entertainment editor, and also uh, took a ton of great calls all across the board. Lots of differing opinions on the uh, Trump-Kanye dinner but then we did have Dan Gaynor on, and Dan did a great job summing up a lot of the media stories of the day. He's our guest for today. Let's take a listen. Uh, Dan, we'll talk about the big one first. Thank you for being here, by the way. You can find him at Fox News on the show every Monday. Thanks for being patient with me. Um, but uh, the audience is uh, pretty fired up about uh, the Trump-Kanye story. And I will tell you, it's pretty much a mixed bag of people's takes. A lot of people think that uh, it's uh, totally acceptable to have dinner with white nationalists and racists and anti-Semites. It doesn't, it's no one's business but Trump's. And other people think that this is the type of stuff that sends a signal. Uh, his uh, He doesn't have his fastball back yet. Um, do you have a take or is there anything in this story that you think maybe is not getting emphasized you think is a big deal? Well, I think there are two things. One, this was easy not to have a problem, and the easy part would have been if Trump or Trump's staff, and I don't know if he's got staff that he's relying on right now, I mean, in the sort of interim, but if Trump or Trump's staff made sure that he wasn't just meeting with Kanye, but that he had at least one rabbi with him. I mean, there are plenty of rabbis that are pro-Trump. He could have one, and he said, look, I wanted to hear what Kanye had to say, but I also wanted to hear... The other side, I wanted to you know, give him a chance to you know, air you know, in a private conversation. Then what, is it, what are people going to say? Well, you've met with somebody who's accused of anti-Semitism. Well, I met with somebody who's – I met with a rabbi meeting with him, trying to see if we can clear the air. Easy to do, poorly done. But then the other point is the media point. And the media point is Barack Obama – yeah, remember the guy who was president? met with the worst anti-Semite in America, and that's Louis Farrakhan, a guy who's been an anti-Semite since the 1960s, who leads an organization, a national organization of anti-Semites, Nation of Islam, who have been anti-Semites since the 1960s. And there's a photo of it. 
and the media didn't care because he was their guy. This is this is you know the pattern for everything. We're already seeing it for DeSantis. The pattern for everything the media do is that anything that anybody does on the right is amplified, and they have to know that. Trump should have known it. His staff should have known that. DeSantis needs to know it. Everybody on the right, everything you do is amplified. Everybody on the left, everything you do is you know is basically ignored. And we're seeing with Elon Musk. Everything Elon Musk does, oh, my God, it's the worst thing in the world. But, oh, by the way, you know, Jeff Bezos controls one of the most important newspapers in the country. Nobody cared. It's all about the narrative. Yeah, and it is um, – I, I think that this is the point that I, I probably should have emphasized earlier is the shoe in the other foot point, whereas that if this was a left-wing – you know, the the left wingers on Epstein's plane, the left wingers meeting with Farrakhan, like we were all outraged about this, but we're like supposed to give Trump a pass. And I'm not even saying it's the end of the world, Dan. I'm just saying that where's the fastball? I want the fastball because, again, he could be the guy and we're trying to have an uphill climb to get those electoral votes as necessary. And, 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 and that to me is uh that's the essence of all this. It's not that I think Trump's some sort of a racist now. It's that this is a un, another unforced error because the staffing around him is not adequate. Well, and I mean, unfortunately, that was the case when he was president. Now, a lot of the staff were chosen by other people. And, you know, it's important to remember that when Trump took office, he was essentially an independent. The D.C. Republicans hated Trump, hated Trump more than Democrats did did everything they could to stop him from doing anything he wanted to do because basically it wasn't stuff they wanted to do. So in the rare times that they agreed, Kavanaugh was a great example, where they agreed, they worked together with him. But the rest of the time they tried to in, insert people into his administration who would frustrate every move. And I mean, remember, this is the, the D.C. Republicans who spent decades, I mean, 50 years, saying that they were going to fix Roe v. Wade and never did. Donald Trump runs for office as president for one term, and whether you like the decision or not, he said he was going to do it. He said he was going to put pro-life justices on the Supreme Court, and he did. And that, what that does, if you're a D.C. politician, it removes the conversation. You know, if you run for office and say, I'm going to, be, I'm going to put pro-life justice on the Supreme Court, we're going to get rid of Roe v. Wade, and you run for decades on that and don't do it, well, you keep running, oh, well, we'll get it next time. And so you can keep running. Donald Trump removes that, that discussion. So that when you run the next time, people say, well, what are you going to do now? So, so, I mean, the whole, you know, the whole thing is a problem. And, yes, I know that they've been planning. Port, according to news reports, they've got a database of like 30,000 people they want to insert in the government. And I hope that's true. But the day-to-day -day staffing for Trump going into, going into a potential election has to be better, has to be more savvy, has to understand that everything they do will be looked at under a microscope where the left, you have to see the world the way the left does, not the way the right does. Yeah, right. And 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 we've done this game, which people are not wising up to, Dan, which is that we see how unfair it is. And so then we just reject it and move on. And we're not dealing with reality on reality's terms. And it's the, the left complained about uh, election meddling and election interference from 2016 to 2020. 
and um, they got away with it. And all these people who were election deniers are still in the Congress. They haven't had a bunch of um, legal harassment that's taken place. They're still on television news. They still write for the New York Times and when Pulitzer's, uh, there were no consequences. So the right spent from 2020 to 2022 talking nonstop about election interference and election rigging and election meddling. And uh, it, it didn't work for us. It didn't work for us politically. And it didn't improve the electoral system at all, clearly. And uh, aside from in red states, which is, you know, another issue. And it did get a lot of people that hurt their reputations publicly. So it didn't work. The shoe didn't, it, it, it didn't fit the, the, uh, the same formula was not effective for the right that was effective for the left. It just didn't work. And so what are we going to do? Are we going to be in denial of that? Are we going to start changing our tactics? And this is what is... I think you make a great point, but also when the left does it, they talk about it in the future. Oh, see, this happened, so we have to do this in the future to save democracy. And the right does it, they look backward. And I mean, I think the biggest mistake that Donald Trump's got right now, and he's got time to correct it, but his biggest mistake is he's looking backward instead of looking forward. Americans don't want to look backward. It's happened. No matter whether you think the election was fair or unfair, it doesn't matter. If there's going to be another election, what are you going to do to fix it? What are you going to do to fix the country? There's a lot of things wrong with the country that even Democrats and Republicans agree on, and independents. Everybody agrees on, but everybody doesn't want to fix it. And that's the inherent Washington problem. Nobody wants to fix anything. There, there are, you know, look at yes. daylight savings time. I mean, daylight savings time is something that I, I don't know a single person who likes it. Not one person. People, we have tons of accidents the day after daylight savings time. You know, we, there's all sorts of problems. And I, I think Republicans and Democrats, even in Congress, agree it's a problem. And they can't fix it. Washington is frozen. It's not because that the, there's two parties and they disagree. Even when they agree, they can't fix anything. And that's the problem. So how do you fix this? That's what Americans want to know. They want to know from Donald Trump. They want to know from you know, anybody else, DeSantis or you know, Biden or anything. Biden's answer to fixing everything is more government, more spending, more inflation, and you know, the media don't care because that's their version. That's their world. More open borders. You know, got to bring in, got to bring in more people. And then, by the way, got to turn them into American citizens. And then we'll bring in more people and turn them into American citizens. And, you know, that's, that's their solution. And, you know, the, the Republican Party, whoever is going to run, has to have solutions, not just complaints. Uh, Dan Gaynor again is with me, freelance media writer and editor. Um, Dan, let me, as tempting as it is to just do this subject all day, um, I, there's a few other media items I want to get to. Uh, the next one is what's going on at Disney. So uh, Bob Iger, who kind of created a lot of the problems we're in, is back in as CEO. Um, Bob Chepik is out. Uh, you've got a, we did touch on this, I think maybe briefly last week or maybe not. I'm, I'm, I'm escaping me. Uh, but Disney put out a very woke cartoon over the weekend with a bunch of uh, gayness in it and a bunch of environmental in, environmentalism in it and it bombed. Um, it is there. People are getting the point that they really are grooming. They're really sexualizing kids at a rapid rate. Uh, any thoughts? 
Well, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, their equally woke uh, Wakanda sequel was doing well. Uh, but then again, that's also, you know, down the line of something that is more of a crossover hit. You know, you can get people like the, you know, like Marvel movies to watch it. But yes, we keep seeing stuff like it's the Balenciaga scandal, which is sure. insanity. You know, anybody has any doubts at home that there are people who are promoting pedophilia and want to molest your kids who are involved in media and advertising? There should be no doubts that it came out not just that Balenciaga, you know, released this crazy ad with bondage involving teddy bears and little kids, but that there was another previous ad where it included there are some papers on it on a desk and included uh, the Supreme Court ruling about kitty porn. Now, I'm sorry, but that's a deliberate thing. What you know, do something once. Okay, somebody had a weird idea. Do something twice. Somebody's pushing an agenda. The same problem with Disney. That, you know, Disney is not going to change because the the woke, crazy people who don't shouldn't be trusted with kids are in the media. Washington Post did a did a review of a pe- pedophile play over the weekend and said it was wonderful. This yeah, is, this um, is where the world is with media. So, so I want to I, I want to bring this up because I haven't mentioned this at all. The answer, can you mention this? So this was the uh, it was it was Washington Post, right? Who there's a play yeah. about pedophiles out, and they were lavishing praise on it. Yeah, of course, and and I mean this is not new. A few, I guess it's probably been five or six years, maybe a little bit longer. Uh, New York Times ran an op-ed calling to decriminalize pedophilia. This is this is the next, you know, <laughs> the next level. We saw it with the the Epstein, you know, the Lolita Express at Epstein Island. There were a ton of famous people who went to an island to rape children. Almost all of them were not named in court. There was tons of video. We never saw the video. Almost no one is incriminated. Almost no one's career is damaged. The only person who was damaged really was the prince. And... You know, yes, he's still around too. No one, there are no recriminations. There's no problems. There's no, there's no criticism of the Washington Post for running not just a pro-pedophile, uh, you know, review of a pedophile play, but there's no criticism of them even celebrating it on their Twitter account. This is who they are. They don't see anything wrong with this. They only see sexualizing kids in any sort of, you know, what do they say, cisgendered, uh, you know, way, any sort of, uh, you know, traditional way, that's that's bad. But if you promote sexualizing kids and abusing kids and cutting off their genitalia, that's all okay. There was was a uh, PBS documentary or a PBS special segment yesterday uh, talking about the problem, the, the, you know, the misunderstandings and bad, uh, bad uh, information about, uh, you know, um, transgender kids. And again, it's all to promote the same thing. They don't, they don't ever consider that the rise in the number of transgender children is part of 
a nationwide campaign to promote it. The kids who feel that they stand out or don't fit in might turn around and say that they're transgender because it's a way of basically giving them armor in school so that they're protected. So they go from being criticized or ignored or abused to being celebrated. None of this, this is all from the same media. So is Disney going to change? Is the Washington Post going to change? Is you know, CBS going to change? No, they're going to get worse. So, what do you think is uh, the the uh, what do you think is the chance that Bob Iger is going to write the ship over at Disney? Uh, because it feels like he is really not the guy to solve this problem. Though, if he does, I think it'll be one of the stories you know the, of the next couple of years if he's able to do it. But uh, do you have anything that suggests that he'll figure this thing out? I mean, I don't think he can. I think he's got the same problem that almost every major corporation has. You either appease the really far left and, or, you know, and the ESG uh, you know, attitude, which also means you are doing what the press wants. Or you appease the huge number of people who buy your product. And I don't think Disney can, you know, I mean, this is like the Colossus of Rhodes. You need to have one foot in one side and one foot in the other. I don't think any company can do it. So the previous administration just said, hey, we're going to appease the, you know, the radical left. We're going to appease the ESG movement, and we're going to appease the press. And the, the stock tanked, I mean, massively. So... If you, you know, I mean, remember, this is Disney that created a gay day. And this is Disney that, you know, bends over backwards to, you know, promote diversity in everything it does now. And how are they going to change that? Are they going to say, oh, by the way, we're going to start doing some traditional values movies? No, they're yes. Not. Yeah. Well, and if they do, they're going to have this issue that um, this is a good segue to I was going to ask you your thoughts on what the latest is with Twitter, which is that Twitter seems to be making some effort to allowing some um, accounts that had been previously banned for life back on the platform. And um, I, of course, I think this is a good move. It should be automatic. I think everyone knew this was coming. Uh, but what's happening is there's an exodus from the platform from advertisers. Um, we're seeing huge lists of people um, like uh, the pharmaceutical giant Merck, Kellogg's, Verizon, uh, Boston Beer Company, which is a huge brand, uh, and so many others. I've seen reports. I don't want to quote all of them just in case um, some people in the audience. I don't want them to boycott the wrong stuff. Um, but is uh, there's there's reports out there that just dozens and dozens of companies. And the way the advertising market works, Dan, is it's, and I'm sure you know this, but it's really as much for the audience, um, it is uh, it, the prices go up exponentially. So the more companies bid on ad space and the more companies and the more money those companies have, it, it creates this sort of spiral in terms of prices. So when companies pull out, it doesn't just reduce the rate a little bit. It reduces it a lot because that makes it less competitive to get those ad spaces. Um, the same way, you know, the amount of money you get paid to play minor league baseball is, 
you know, a thousand dollars a month or whatever it is, and to play major league baseball is between a million dollars and thirty million dollars. You know, it, it's the it just goes exponentially upward when you get to the upper echelons. And so, if him Musk allowing any sort of free speech on his platform, um, which I'm not satisfied with the amount he's allowing, but him allowing any sort of free speech is going to lead to what we're told a hundred top companies already leaving the platform. It just is not a sustainable business model for a company that's already struggling financially. But that's my take. What's your take? Well, I mean, and it's deliberate. The left is trying to destroy him. And they have the power to do so because they control those companies. They don't just control the corporate boardroom. They control the communications departments and they control the PR agencies that those communications departments buy through. And when I say the control, it's basically their people run those companies those, those, or those departments. Uh, you, know, you go to a corporate uh, communications department in the United States, and part of the downside of the collapse of journalism has been these departments are now run by former journalists. They say, oh, well, they understand the media, so we put them in charge. And they're all lefties. You know? And, I mean, they're lefties at companies you would not think are lefties. Uh, you know, as soon as soon as Obama won, you know, companies that and I will not name them because maybe they've changed. I doubt that they have. But companies that were you know, funding the right or supporting the right or even just meeting with the right immediately hired all lefties in their communications department. It's not changed. And so, you know, th- this is this is the problem Musk has got. I mean, look, the pro- the platform is more popular than it's ever been. The tiny number of people who are leaving are the very same people who ran Journalist years and years ago. They want to have a private platform where they can plot and organize and control and manipulate what's going on in the world. The problem they've got, and it's it's the flip side of the Twitter problem, the problem they've got is they lose access to politicians and to the public. When they ran Twitter, and they did, when they ran Twitter, they they controlled the narrative in every country on the world. And now they control the narrative on a tiny little spot on Mastodon. And that is not what they want. Sure, Sure, they can manipulate the press, but they can't manipulate the people and they can't manipulate politicians that way. So I think if if Musk can hold on, those people will start to come back because, you know, they they lost influence. Very good points, uh, Dan Gaynor. Uh, Dan, uh, we got some limited time um, today relative to the usual. Is there anything you want to make sure that we hit before I let you run? Oh, uh, well, I mean, Balenciaga was the, was the big thing. Yes, really yeah, that was on my mind. Uh, uh, give, give me your thoughts on this. I mean, I just, I mean, uh, this is insane that we discover a major corporation, you know, not only doing, you know, absolute sick, perverted, child-abusing ad campaign, but that, that this was not the first time that somebody involved in their ad campaign was inserting, you know, pedophile content. And I'm sorry, but th- this, is, this is not something we should overlook. I, I commend Kim Kardashian because she's, she said she's reconsidering her relationship with the brand because what the heck? You know, and this, this is the problem. How many brands is this? You know, when we start looking at ads on television, 
do we need to now look at every ad and say, oh, my God, that's really kind of twisted what they're doing with kids there? You know, this is, this is the kind of thing that when we did have more restrictions in advertising, would have never gotten through. But we have free speech, and, I, and so they have every right to do this. But we as customers, we as Americans, have every right to never have anything to do with these kind of companies. And there's too many of them. Like I said, this is the Washington Post, New York Times, PBS, all promoting an agenda that is anti-children. And anti-children in a sick, demented, very scary way. Yeah, the only thing I differ with you on that is she should have just said, I'm out. I mean, she's got a billion dollars. Like, she doesn't need Balenciaga. It's well, I the, the I, I was... Is, who's, who's responsible? I think that's, I think that's, you know, is it some Balenciaga employees? Is it their ad campaign? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's, I think that's what, I don't, I don't, I mean, honestly, I don't know. I would love to be the investigator because I darn well would find out. Yeah, I um, I was I was talking to Mrs. Doctor Marlowe about this, who's very fashionable, and I asked if she was aware of this, and she said only from what we'd written about at Breitbart. And I said, it, it, this is it, this is one where it's actually as bad as the media hysteria, and uh, you really should boycott. And um, that was the you, not to say we have a lot of Balenciaga products anyway, but it's the 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 it's it, whatever it is, it's going to go to zero, and and that's. And it's important that we think through that stuff because there has got to be a line where you can't cross it and the sexualizing of kids has got to be it. And I wish people would be more demonstrative about this because it just seems like it's getting too normalized. It's just getting way too normalized with what's going on in Disney. I was going on with all the grooming that they... I didn't even get to this, Dan, because I've been... Um, traveling around and stuff, and we had the holiday last week. But you know, people in the establishment media who were using the uh, Colorado nightclub shooter from someone who turns out to identify as they and them um, to blame conservative media and to justify drag queen story hour, uh, it, like we're drag queen sexualized children. Uh, I it, it just is too much. The people trying to get the sexual content into the minds of our youngest people. Yeah, and it's not just that. It's uh, the stuff that they're trying to insert into the libraries. Um, And you can tell there's a standard format. If any parent at any school in the country objects to the fact that you're showing uh, cartoon forms of oral sex, because that's one of the books does that. If you're showing this, putting this in a school library where third and fourth graders have access to it, and you're putting that into a library, you know, even, even sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. I mean, you're putting it into a library, and parents simply say, "We want to have a permission form for this kind of content." I guarantee you, I was reading an article where a librarian quit his job rather than allow a permission form because it's denying the rights of the kids. No, kids don't have rights. Not not to see porn. Not to see sexual content. The parents have rights. And see, this is the left narrative. Parents have no rights. That's what's come from the NEA. That's what comes from the media. That's, that is the push. The parents have no rights that the children have rights. And in fact, this is the whole abortion industry repeat. That kids can go to school, and if you go to the nurse, the nurse cannot give your child aspirin without permission. But your child can be recommended for and promoted to get an abortion because that's okay because that's not health care. That's, oh, that's, you know, that's normal. But we can't give your child, you can't give your child aspirin. That's what the left has pulled off. And so 
parents are finally up in arms. They've got to stay up in arms. And, and that means they've got to take over every school board in the country, and if schools don't listen, defund them. Defund every public school in the country and make so that the money travels to parents, not to schools. Then make the schools more responsive. Then that's, that's the way the free market works. Dan Gaynor, you can find him at Fox News and on the show on Mondays. Always enjoy our time, and I appreciate you being flexible with me this morning, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, man. Take care. Bye. Same to you. Be right back. I'm American made. That was today's show. Thanks for listening to it, and thanks a lot to Zach Jones for putting it together. As always, thanks to Greg Eben. Bob Marlowe helped me pick topics. And all of you who tell 10,000 friends and family members about the broadcast, I can't thank you enough. And thanks for listening. <laughs>